do you want to run a marathon? That's what my wife asked me about 10 years ago. In my mind, I was like, no way. No way. The reality is for me, I, like, I grew up playing sports, so running was punishment. We ran for only a couple of reasons. When I screwed up on the basketball court or when I needed to get in shape when I didn't want to get in shape. So for me, running was punishment. So when my wife was like, hey, you want to go run for some fun? Hey, you want to go train and like run 13 miles and get ready for, to run a marathon? I was like, no way. But then she said this, what if we run it together? And I was like, ah, the whole together thing, the whole relational thing. What if we train together, right? Like, like what if we run this thing together? What if, what if the goal, Ron, is not competition? What if the goal is not going to be, let's run it under a certain time, which is incredibly hard for me. What if it is that we finish the marathon together? And I was like, all right, game on. So uh, we started training together. We started running together. We like got into a pattern. You know, we'd run, then we like would walk through like the walk the water stations, getting ready for the Chicago Marathon. And soon the race was here. And I have to admit, I was pumped. Like I was so excited, one, to be done training because of all the work that that requires. But two, like the city of Chicago, bustling with people. There's like thousands of people lined up, like cheering you on, you know, thousands of runners that were in this whole race thing. And, and we started off and we're moving forward, going to about mile 10, everything was good. Like we, we were pretty solid. And, the, and then it came to about mile 14 and things started to change. See, when you run a marathon, you, you hit what's called heartbreak hill. At some point in the marathon, and it varies from runner to runner, you hit what's called a heartbreak hill. You, you hit this point in the race where you've run long enough to be sore, tired, and want to be done, and yet you still have so much longer to go. So you want to quit and be done and exhausted, right? So there's this heartbreak hill. Well, about mile 14, my, my wife starts hitting heartbreak hill. Now, the problem is... I was still running well. I was like, this is great. People, like, I put my name on my badge. People were like, go run. They don't know who I am. They're like, all right, I'm going. You know what I mean? So, so at some point in the race, I think it was around mile 14, all of a sudden, like, I'm starting to keep up with the, the time person, right? They run with, like, with timers if you can go under four hours or whatever it is. So I'm kind of running with the time person, and, and, and my wife's a little bit more behind me. And, and then we come to this point of crisis in our relationship and in the marathon where my wife shouts out, either run with me or get out of here. <laughs> so it was a moment that happens in our marriage. So it doesn't, doesn't like that happen just naturally in life like where you're like, leave me or what? So, so I had to make a decision. Hey, I want to finish together. And so thankfully... <laughs> They, and at the end of the day, right, the reality is I hit my heartbreak hill, eight mile, mile, mile 18. She helped me through my heartbreak hill. Reality was, in the good way, we finished together, right? And you need to know, she crossed the finish line first. There you go. It's all good, right? Like, guys, like, husbands, like, trust me, let your wife win. 
you always win in the end when your wife wins. Anyway, that's another sermon for another day. All right, but anyway, so here, here, here's the reality of the story, right? We always hit Heartbreak Hill. Whether it's a race, whether it's life, whether it's in our relationship with God, we get to this point in life where we hit our Heartbreak Hill, where we want to be done. We want to quit. We want to walk away from God. We want to do our own thing. We're sick of COVID-19. We're sick of the things that we're facing in this world. We're, we're, we're tired, right, of, of trying to, like, run this race with God, and we just want to quit and do it on our own, and we're at this heartbreak hill. For some of you, you're at heartbreak hill right now. You're there. Whatever's gone on in your life, you've come to this place where you're like, man, I just want to be done. I want to be done. How do we endure this life together? We're in this middle of a sermon series called Together. How do we, like, living a life all out for God. When we hit the heartbreak hill, how do we endure together? How do we get through it? How do we get through it not only in our relationship with God, but in our relationship with one another? Because this is what I know. We will hit Heartbreak Hill. So turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12, starting at verse 1. Man, if you are at home, we're so thankful that you're watching online. We're so thankful and we're a little jealous, honestly, that you're in your PJs and your feet is up and you got coffee. And you just like, but pull that Bible off the coffee table, pull it off the shelf. Let's look at the Word of God together. So crucial uh, that we're always in the Scriptures. Let me give you some context for Hebrews chapter 12 as you turn there. The reality was uh, the church was at Heartbreak Hill. The writer of Hebrews is writing to followers of Jesus who are at Heartbreak Hill. They're, they're ready to give up. They're ready to quit. They, they've gone through a ton, and they're ready to be done. And, and the church was, was ready to revert back to what they know. This is what happens to our life, right? This is what happens when it, life gets hard. What do we want to do? We want to revert back to what we know. We want to revert back to what's comfortable. That's exactly what was happening in the church. And the writer of Hebrews is writing into this heartbreak hill moment. And the reality was, this is what was going on in the church. They were alone. The reality is, back, back in this time, when you put your faith in Jesus, you were separated out. You were isolated. You, you were arrested. You were, families were being separated. Just imagine that. Right? Like kids were being taken one place. A dad who knew Jesus was being, was, was being arrested and being pulled out of the home. Moms were being pulled out of homes. All these things. Then, then not, not only were there this kind of this arresting and, and this isolation, but there were other teachings and philosophies. Right? So, so back in this day and age, right, there were other religions and, and other friends and other teachers and other you know, people that were going, hey, follow you know, this way, follow this other way. And so, so there's this tension they're living in. Uh, and, and then as ra- reality is, the, the church no longer fit in, right? Most of them grew up in, in, in the temple and grew up as in, in good, good Jewish people, right, as, as Israelites. And all of a sudden, they put their faith in Jesus and they're isolated and, and, and they no longer fit into what they, what they know. There was mass persecution. 
I mean, we think COVID-19 is bad. Like, this is persecution of, of like, people being burned at the stake, um, people being, I mean, seriously killed for their faith in Jesus. All, all this stuff is going on. And, and then here's the reality, and you, we need to get this. The reality is being a follower of Jesus is just hard. Are you with me at this? I mean, seriously, trying to pursue Jesus, trying to live a righteous life, and yet your flesh is still like pulling you back to like, hey, go do this again, go do this again. Remember how good this felt? Remember, Remember how great this was? And this tension that, that the church that we live in, right, as, as followers of Jesus, trying to pursue him wholeheartedly, yet getting pulled in all these different directions with, you know, finances. I'm like, well, maybe I should buy this with my money, or, or maybe I should buy that, like, whatever it is. But, like, pulled in all these different directions. And it was just hard. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse, verse 4, it, it, we don't have it online, but I just was looking at it again this morning. It says, in your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood, right? Like if we resisted sin to the point that we're like suffering, right? Like this follower of Jesus, like that's what it is. It's just hard. It's hard stuff at times. How do we endure? How do we get through? Because the believers back then were struggling with it. We struggle with it, right? We hit our heartbreak hill. And it's always easier to go back to what we know, and yet we know, right? We know going back to what we know is not what's best. We know God has what's best for us. We know it when we live it, when we choose to follow, when we, we get these blessings and this joy, and, and we live in this freedom that God has given to us. And so there's all this tension, and the writer, the author of Hebrews just says, listen. He writes the first 10 chapters of Hebrews, and he says, let me tell you about this amazing Jesus. And if you study the book of Hebrews, the first 10 chapters are filled with the supremacy of Jesus Christ. That there is no one like Jesus. And then as, as the writer gets into Hebrews chapter 11, he turns this corner to say, well, what now? How do we live it out? And it's in that context, Hebrews chapter 12 is written. So let's look at it together. Here's what the Word of God says. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Just think about that. In the midst of Heartbreak Hill, in the midst of persecution, in the midst of those moments that you want to quit, the writer is saying this. <laughs> you have a cloud of witnesses that have gone before you. You have people who have loved Jesus anyway. You, you, have, you have brothers and sisters that have gone ahead of us that have lived through, listen, church, lived through pandemics. The church has lived through racial tensions. Like, like the church, like the things that we're going through, others have gone before us, and they've, they've been victorious in it. Is it complete yet? No. But, but they've been victorious. And, and, and the writer's saying, like, listen, in, in this incredible cloud of witnesses. Now, when we think of the word witness, right, we think of, we think of something like uh, when you witness a car accident. Like you see something happen, and, and, and you're, or like you're a fan in the stands, and you kind of witness a game, right? When, when the text, when the author is using this word witness, it, it has it, at the root of its word is martyr. So think about this. This, at the root of this is, is, is not just witnesses, people that are looking on, 
It's people that have died for their faith. Those are the witnesses that have gone before us. People who have been in front of lions, people who have been burned at the stake, people, people that have been arrested, put in jail, separated from families, yet they've continued to follow Jesus and live in the joy and the beauty of all it is. It's in that cloud of witnesses. We were in the green room just before service praying together. And, and Gabe said something about uh, witness. And in my mind, I don't know if this is where Gabe intended my mind to go, but my mind went, went back to like those that I even know that have followed Jesus that have now passed away. I thought of my grandfather who, who was a pastor. I, I thought of my mom who died of cancer 20 years ago. Like I, th- I thought of those people that have lived this all-out life for Jesus. And now they're in this joy and in this beauty with God forever and ever. And I was like, man, when I'm at Heartbreak Hill, man, I have, I have people that have gone. Who's gone before you? Who, who do you look at in your life? And you're like, man, they're a witness. They're, they're, they've, they've fought. They've struggled with their faith. And let me tell you something. If you look, if you look at your life and you don't see that person let, let me say, let me, just, let me just challenge you with this. You be that witness for someone else. My grandfather was the first of his generation, with the first of his family to believe in Jesus. Be the first. Be the one who leads it. Make that decision. Follow him. So it's in the midst of this incredible cloud of witnesses that, that have gone before us. We get this. Continue with verse 1. So therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So we see two things that, that the author separates out in this. How do we endure together? Number one, we lighten our load. Lighten your load. If you just like look at the text, look at verse 1, there are hindrances, there are things that are hindering us in our relationship with God. There are things that are hindering us from finishing well. They may not be sin. Do you see that? Do you see how like the text in verse 1 separates it out? There's sin, we'll get to that next, but there's also just hindrances. There's, there's things. Think about a hindrance with like this backpack, all right? Think about a race Think about somebody, right, who's got their running shorts on, who's got like that perfect shirt, they got the perfect shoes, and, and they're like ready to run the race, and then there's me, and I got this backpack on, right? Now, I could have the shorts on, I could have the shirt on, I got the shoes on, but if I got this thing on, what's going to happen? It's going to slow me down. There's just, there's just no question about it. And some of us, right, all of us, there's hindrances. There's things that we have on our back that are holding us up, that are holding us up from thriving in a relationship, that are hindering us from enduring. We, we want to quit, and we got this backpack, and we're going, it's too heavy. The burdens are too much, and yet Jesus has said to us, the burdens are light as a follower of Jesus. What are your hindrances? What are the things that you're carrying? What's in your backpack? 
Let me, let me just give you a couple of examples. There, there's things that are distracting you. I don't know about you, but when I walk into a Home Depot, I'll walk in and I'll, let's say I'm going there for, to buy some bookshelves. I don't know. Let's just make something up. I'm like, all right, honey, hey, I'm going to go get some bookshelves. I get into Home Depot. And then I'm like, whoa, whoa. And then I see the lawn department to my right, and I'm like, oh, man, a new trimmer, a new lawnmower. Wow, this is pretty cool. Like, maybe I, I think I need one. I mean, my lawnmower is like 10 years old. But by the way, in Arizona, you don't need a lawnmower. You just got rocks. I mean, how awesome is that? I never have to cut a lawn again. Like, my son is pumped. Anyway, that's a whole, maybe some of you have grass. I don't know, but I, I just got rock. Uh, so... So, right, or then you go to the like, next aisle and you're like, oh, power tools. Yeah, yeah come on, like, give me some more power tools, right? So then you're like, you're going over the power tools section. Like, yeah, I need like this bigger power saw, you know, little Tim the Tool Man Taylor going on, you know, back in the 80s. Remember those good old days, right? And, and, and then like you get distracted by like, oh, well, well, maybe like a washer and dryer. I mean, I don't know. I mean, ours is kind of old. And, and then all of a sudden you're walking out and you're like, why did I come in here in the beginning? You know what I'm saying? Like you, you forgot about the bookshelves. How many of you have done that? You know, and you're like, this is why I came. Well, let me tell you, like, that's what happens in the Christian walk, right? We get distracted. We're like, Jesus, and Jesus, we're going to follow Jesus, we're going to follow Jesus. Oh, man, this looks really good over here. You know, like, like, let's go for that. Oh, that, that looks really, really good over there. And we get distracted. Like, what's distracting you? What's hindering you? What's going on? It could be finances. I mean, it, it could be the pursuit, right, the pursuit of more money. It could also be the debt that you have. And it's, it's, it's in that backpack, and it's, it's hindering you. It could be the relationships that you're in. It could be the bitterness that you're holding on to. Maya Angelo says this about bitterness. He says, bitterness is like cancer. It eats upon the host. Think about that. Bitterness is like cancer. It eats upon the host. Right? Some of you, you've been in a relationship in the past, and you're holding on to hate. You're holding on to bitterness. You're so frustrated. You're so angry. And the reality is that bitterness is actually eating you up. Trust Jesus with it. Hand it over. And then for some of us, it's our past. Man, we we look back at our past and we are like, oh, man. For For some of us, right, we're listening in right now. You're watching online. For some of us, we're sitting in this facility right now. We look at our past and we think there is no way God can use me anymore after I've done this. There's no way. Or, or you look back at your past and you, you think back at what someone has done to you. Personally, I, I take this, this very seriously. I'm an abuse. One in three women have been sexually abused in some way, shape, or form. One in four men. And, and you're, 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 you're carrying it on and, and that, that's heavy. For some of you, you think it's not necessarily what someone has done to you. For, for some of us, there's just regrets that we live with. There's choices that we made that we wish we would have made another choice. There's, there's, for some, I was listening to a pastor talk this week, 
And um, for, for him, I, I asked the question, um, what hinders you from just enjoying the love of God? And, and a pastor, a pastor friend of mine just said the church that he grew up in, the church that he grew up in was so legalistic, he couldn't get out of it. Right? For some of us, that's, where, that's, what, that's what it is. Could be the parents that we had. It could be the parents that we wish we were. It could be, it could be all those things. And we have, this, we have this backpack full of stuff. What if, what if we started letting this thing go? What if we lightened our load and started trusting Jesus with it? If we want to endure, if we want to finish well, let's lighten our load. Second, let's throw off the sin that so easily entangles. I mean, that's kind of what sin does, doesn't it? I mean, if you look at Hebrews chapter 12, once again, look at verse 1. It says, uh, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely this, this word clings, it means entangles or entwines. This picture of, have you ever seen like this, uh, like, like, a, like a beautiful garden, and then you see these weeds that are coming up, and they wrap around, and they choke the growth of what it is. That's what sin does. It, it entangles around us, and, and we have to throw that off. We have, to, we have to let it go. This word sin, this definition as a staff, we were talking about uh, different definitions of sin, and I honestly don't know who to give this credit to, uh, but this was one of the definitions that, that came up. One was this, the attempt to fulfill our God-given needs by our own will and power. And that's, that's powerful to think about sin that way. The attempt to fulfill our God-given needs by our own will and power. Is that what we're trying to do? Are we trying to live that way? Like, are we trying to fulfill that God-given need by our own thing? Susanna Wesley, who was the mother of John Wesley and Charles Wesley, said this when it comes to the definition of sin. She said this, Whatever weakens your reason, impairs the tenderness of your conscience, obscures your sense of God, uh, take, takes off your relish for spiritual things. Whatever increases the authority of the body over the mind, that thing is sin to you, however innocent it may seem in itself. That's, that's a powerful definition of sin. What, what are those things that we're beginning to do, that we want to do, that, that, that we're supposed to be trusting the Lord with, and we're supposed to throw off that sin that's so easily entangles. And, and, and we know how that works, right? We know how sin starts off small, doesn't it? It starts off with like this little fib, just, just a little deceit. It, 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 you don't even lie, right? You just don't tell mom and dad what you did. You know what I mean? You're not lying about it. You just don't say anything about it. Or we don't, we don't share what we did. We just kind of, we don't say anything. We just, and, then, and then we're asked about it. And and it's like, well, I was kind of in the room, but not really. I mean, I was in the kitchen, not the living room where that sin happened. You know, I was kind of in the room, right? But we're kind of there. And, and then all of a sudden, like, the deceit just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And some of you, right, you're on this journey. And sin is encroaching upon you. And it's beginning to entangle. And I just want to encourage you. 
1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive you. If you confess, he is faithful and just and forgives you. And it breaks, it cuts the root. It cuts the sin out. That's how amazing our God is. That our God loved us so much that in the midst of our sin, he sent Jesus Christ here to live, to die on a cross, to be raised from the grave, to take on our sin, to take on our death. And when we believe in him, we are given forgiveness of sin. We're given like a freedom in this life. We're given this joy that can't be replaced. It's the beauty of being a follower of Jesus Christ. It's not just about heaven, right? It's not just about enjoying heaven forever and ever. It's living this life in this wholeness and this peace that God gives to us. And the grace that as we confess our sin, he is faithful and just and will forgive us. Don't wait another day. Don't wait another day. Rick Warren, who's pastor out in California, he... Um, his son uh, had committed suicide. And I think it was out of, this, out of that pain that he wrote this. He said, your greatest ministry will flow out of your pain. Not out of your strengths or talents, but out of the painful experiences of your life. It is your weaknesses that help other people in need, not your strengths. you ever thought about that about being bold in your weaknesses because let me see tell you something i don't know about for you but when i'm struggling and i hear all about how great someone is i'm not too encouraged but when i hear someone's been where i've walked or been where i'm walking and they've made it through we need each other if we want to live this life together, if we want to endure together, we need each other. And what if we used our pain? What if we used even our sin to have one of our greatest ministries flow out of it? It's the greatness of Jesus. So how do we endure together, lighten our load, throw off our sin, and number three, and finally, fix our eyes on Jesus. Look at verses two to three. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. So how do we endure? How do we not grow weary and faint-hearted? Fix our eyes on Jesus. Consider him. Look at him. He's our model. He's done it. He's gone before us. If you want to know how to endure, fix your eyes on Jesus. If you're weary and you're faint-hearted right now, if you want to give up, fix your eyes on Jesus. Because he is, I mean, just look at the text. Because he is the author. He's the creator. He's, he's the founder of your story. Isn't that amazing to think about? He's writing your story. That's how much he loves you. Like, he is the author. He's, the, he's it. He's writing it with you. And not only, right, is he, right, not only, right, looking to the founder, the author, right, he's the perfecter. So, so not only, right, did Jesus live this, this perfect life, 
There was temptation around him, yet he led this perfect life. He endured the cross. So not only is he an example of that, but the reality is, and you need to hear this, followers of Jesus, he's perfecting you. You're perfect in him. Think about that. Philippians 1.6. He's going to complete the work that he has started in you. You're not alone in this thing. Jesus is with you, coming alongside. He's the perfecter. He, I mean, he's amazing. This is how great our God is. He's the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So, so and he brought us salvation. The reality is we're hopeless without Jesus. But in him we have life. In him we have this joy. In him we have salvation. We have victory. We have life over death. We, we have forgiveness over shame. We, we can endure it. If we are on heartbreak hill, if you're on heartbreak hill, look to Jesus. Fix your eyes. This intense gaze. I, I remember teaching my kids how to ride a bike. And right, and they, like on two wheels, right? And, and they like you kind of hold in the back of the seat and, and they get on and they start riding the bike, right? And you're kind of pushing it, kind of pushing and I mean, at my age, like trying to run, you know, with them, and then they get, they get going way too fast, and you're like, ah, what am I going to do? But you're kind of like doing this, and, and then what, what do the kids want to do? Like, as soon as they start riding this bike, what do they want to do? They want to look down, right? They, they want to look down at their feet, be like, I, I'm doing it, like, I'm doing it, and, and what happens? They crash every time, right? Or, or they start riding it, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, they're like riding it, and, and they look at the tree, or they look at the bird, or they look at the squirrel, they look at the dog, right? The squirrel. You know, like squirrel. You know what I mean? And what happens? Squirrel, like boom, you know, gun in the woods, right? It's all it's over. That's just what happens. It's true for us. We start walking through this life. And, and all of a sudden we 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 take our eyes off of Jesus and we, and we put it on what, what we're doing and, and and we crash. We we look to the squirrel on the side and we crash. Or or what we do is we we look behind us at at whatever it is, the sin we've done or the greatness that we've lived. Like, whatever it is, we, we look behind, oh, man. Like, I played basketball in college. I had records. I had all these things, right? Like, I could live in this euphoria of my basketball career. Can I tell you something? It's over. You know what I mean? Like, it's done. The records have been beaten. Like, stop talking about, like, that's what you were. You know what I'm saying? Like, just stop talking about the past. Stop looking back. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Look to Jesus. When you are on Heartbreak Hill, look to Jesus. Let me finish with this. I was, um, I was a camp counselor one summer, and uh, there was, I was in charge of eighth grade boys. And this camp, part of this camp was actually you actually do these outdoor adventures. So, so you would get a backpack. So these eighth graders, right, they would get a backpack, and they'd put, they'd put it on their backs, and we, we'd go hiking, and we'd, we'd stay in the woods and all this stuff. It was an incredible camp. I loved this camp. And uh, I'll, I'll never forget it. Like, I, I mean, the, 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 the camp that I had, the boys that were in my group, these guys were strong kids. They, they were strong. They, like, they were just fun. But there was one. His name was SJ. There was one who, honestly, the backpack was bigger than him. I mean, it, it was close anyway. And, and he had, like, these really thin legs, and, and he just struggled. And I remember getting out of the van, getting ready to hike in the woods, 
putting a backpack like this on his back. And there he is just kind of walking through. Half mile in, honestly, half mile in, he just, he just like, Ron, I, I got to stop. And so we stopped and we took, we took a break. And the rest of the boys are like, come on. You know what I mean? Like, let's go. Why are we stopping? You know, and I'm like, guys, like, calm down. We got, you know, like, you know, we got to kind of deal with this thing, right? So I'm like, all right, SJ, how you doing? He's like, all right, let's start going again. So, so we, he gets up again. He's, he starts walking again. And, and uh, he, he starts to break. Like his legs start shaking. It, like tears, tears come into his eyes. So I said, hey, let's, let's take a break. So we, we took a break, and my, my co-counselor went and took, kind of took SJ to the side, and I took four or five of the other guys that were just stronger. And I said, all right, guys, what are we going to do? Because I, I didn't want to tell them what to do. You wanted these eighth graders to figure it out. And I was like, so what are we going to do? Y'all can take it, but what about, what about SJ? And these eighth grade boys are like, well, what if we start lighting his load? Like, what if we start taking some stuff off his backpack? And I was like, yeah, that's a great idea. So, so they took some of this stuff off, right? But, and this is the picture that I'll never forget, and this is the picture that I want to leave you with. So they took some of his stuff off at that point. But then he kept walking, and he still was slow. Like, he still was struggling. And his backpack at, at that point was, was open because we had just taken stuff out. And I remember, I remember one of these guys walking up while he was walking, and he took out, like, this huge pack of food and put it on his backpack. He took out other things. Just SJ didn't even know. And then SJ was able to finish. And SJ was able to get there. Church, what if we start lightening the load? What if we start carrying one another's burdens? What if we start praying for one another? What would it be like if the church came together and lived a life all out for God? What, what if we were able to confess our sins to one another and rather than receive it with judgment, receive it with grace and say, we have this amazing Jesus. You are, you are, you are forgiven. You're forgiven. Live in the joy of it. Like what if we just started unpacking all this stuff? And, and what if in the journey we just, we just had this intense gaze the whole time on this incredible, loving, powerful, almighty Jesus. And when we're at Heartbreak Hill, we fix our eyes on him. He's the perfecter. He's the author. He's our salvation. Can the worship team come on up? I just, I just want to encourage you if you're at home, if you're sitting here, what's in your backpack? What's hindering you from living this life for Jesus? What sin is in that backpack that you need, you need to confess this morning? Have you taken your eyes off of Jesus? The worship team is going to sing over us. We, we want you just to sit in this moment. I just want you just to sit in this moment. I want you to close your eyes. I just want you to seek the Lord. Maybe for you, it's, it's, it's the distractions that have come in that you're just going to say, Jesus, be my focus. For some of you, you may need to take this time and you may need to confess some sin. Confess some sin. 
For some of you, you just, you just need to look back and say, Jesus, I'm yours. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this message. Thank you for your word. Lord, I just pray that as this next couple of moments, a couple of minutes, Lord Jesus, that we will just, you will draw us back to you. Draw us back to you. We love you. We trust you. We give it all to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.